Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm in anticipation. In anticipation, you've been in anticipation a lot lately. I uh, I'm great. I've watched. Um, you know, we spoke about the David Beckham thing, and there's there seems to be a lot of of docos popping up. I watched the Robbie Williams one, um, and that was cool. And so, and, and there was another one I watched as well. Um, but it's great. All these sort of. Uh, um, what do you call them? Um, celebrities or, or or people in that space uh, are being really vulnerable, blokes especially. So I think I think there's a lot of good stuff happening there with the with the docos that are coming out, and it's just I think there's a real shift, and you can see you know the the last sort of five ten years there was all this let's fight the stigma of mental health and everything, and um. I commented to someone, oh, Dan and Ed from Trademark, when I was chatting to them about it, and I was like, if we keep saying there's a stigma, there's going to keep saying there's going to keep being a stigma, even if we say let's let's fight the stigma or whatever. So I think a lot of great work's been done in in moving away from it. And there's, there's this beautiful acceptance now that we all have mental health and it's important to look after it, same as our physical health. So um, yeah, I'm just I'm buoyed by by that and what's going on and it's great to have our guest on today who uh yeah who sort of popped up on our radar after listening to, to one of the episodes absolutely and i'm going to introduce our guest right now just uh quickly nick on that i think you're right with those documentaries it's showing a bit more authenticity especially from from males and i was thinking of you on sunday i was playing golf with a fella and we were walking down the the 14th fairway and he goes you guys watch that David Beckham or Robbie Williams shows on Netflix? <laughs> I'm like, I know about the Beckham one because my mate Nick was talking about it. And, yeah, he was uh, interesting because he was an older fella and he goes, I had an idea in my head of what these guys were like and I was completely wrong. I was completely off track so that shows what can yeah. happen when we And, when we and there's, there's older guys talking about it walking down the fairway, you know, yeah. at, at golf. So, it's it's yeah, it's great. It's spreading. It's brilliant. I'm another I'm very... old guy that saw Robbie Williams. Yeah. Okay, here he is. Here he is. Are you a Robbie Williams fan, Tony? Oh, look, I don't mind a few of his songs. Uh, I went to a concert many moons ago, but uh, I did see the doco. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think you guys touched on a pretty important word there, vulnerability and uh, sharing and uh, opening up. And um, if you don't do the uh, vulnerability bit, and uh, reach out and help, uh, you're going to be in the power of trouble because nothing will change. Yeah, yeah. I actually like a bit of Robbie Williams. Uh, he's a bit of an entertainer. I had a DVD of his live at the Albert Hall when he was doing all the old songs of like Frank Sinatra um, uh, and all those guys, the Rat Pack and everything, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin. And, um, yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant performer. So, Tony, before you jump in anymore, can I can I introduce the guest first, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Who was that speaking? What do you mean? What do you mean? That, that, that voice. Who is it? Oh, what? I was oh, I setting you up to introduce him. It was. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Mental health advocate Tony McManus. Tony McManus is a sought after speaker at all levels of the community for Beyond Blue and Are You OK across Southeast Australia. You may have heard me and Nick talk about those uh, foundations in, in episodes past. He was the first independent chairman of a Headspace local consortium across 100 plus Headspace centres across Australia. He then established the Headspace Geelong Fund. He focuses on identifying strategic mutual benefits and win-win outcomes. He was also an active supporter of the establishment of the Lara and District Community Bank. After selling his Lara-based real estate business, Tony has been passionately promoting the mental health solution of social connection through mentoring and volunteering via Connect to Grow, which I'm sure we're going to get into in the episode here. 
After his brother Mick took his own life, a passion in helping others with mental health issues began and has resulted in, among other things, the successful lobbying of the Geelong and Hawthorne football clubs to play annually for the AFL Beyond Blue Cup as a vehicle to promote awareness about and reduce stigma in the community about depression. He supports the Western Bulldogs Sons of the West Men's Health Project. He's a national ambassador for Beyond Blue and is a community ambassador for Are You OK? His work has been reported in the Sunday Age, the Herald Sun, ABC TV and radio at a number of times in the Geelong Advertiser. He's a regular guest on 93.9 Bay FM and now guest on the Woke Blokes podcast. That's not in the official bio, but I'm adding that. And was the nominee for the inaugural Australian Mental Health Prize in 2016. Tony is also a member of the CEO Institute and a member of the Rotary. So Tony McManus, after that very elaborate intro, a pleasure to Jesus, have you sound, on, mate. Sound, sounds like Tiger Woods being announced at the Masters or something. <laughs> All the credentials. I was, as, I, as I was halfway <laughs> through, I'm like, this may be the most credentialed guest we've had on the show. <laughs> um, Tony Tony reached out, I believe, to you, Nico, after our, our very controversial episode on Mental Health Foundations. Yep, and sparked some wonderful conversations. And, um, yeah, just thought it'd be great to get Tony on uh, as a guest to... to Go dive a bit deeper into that stuff and learn a bit more and share, you know, with the listeners, um, just inform people a little bit more and get more informed ourselves. And, yeah, and, and he's just a, a great guy doing great things. So I thought only good could come from uh, having him on as a guest. So, Tony, what were your thoughts of our little, or mainly Nico's bashing of these mental health foundations? <laughs> Actually, wasn't it you bashing them, uh, Ryan? A little, little bit, yeah. Yeah, it was. Nick yeah, was moderating was. a bit. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't think Nick's ever been a moderator of me, to be honest. This is, this is, this is the best guest we've had yet so far. It's great. Uh, I, I, look, I'm very conscious of this episode not being what you guys described a few episodes ago as the most shit-ass episode <laughs> or something. So that's just we can um, rise above that bar. And, um, yeah, look, I think what struck a bit of a chord to me when I listened to your podcast was um, uh, the mention of Beyond Blue and uh, another fellow who got pretty well funded. Um, I think there is a bit of a problem with the resources for mental health across Australia. It's too easy for government, particularly with a bipartisan support, just to go, big tick has $100 million to Beyond Blue, and then when the smaller on-the-ground organisations who are doing... Uh, really important stuff at the coalface, a scratching and fundraising and tin rattling. And you know, that's probably what struck a chord with me, uh, that it's it, Beyond Blue has definitely got a place. And, uh, but, you know, I would just maybe think that the budget that they get uh, is a bit out of whack with the lack of funding for on-the-ground uh, organisations. Oh, example, sorry, mate, example of that just quickly. I've had, we have people reach out and, and our first step is to have a discovery session, which which um, I, I ran you through just so you yep. knew a bit more about what we were doing. And we've had three people in the last week say that, that it's important, they want to do it, they really need to do it, but they can't afford it. And that, you know, that kills mm. us. I'm already doing some pro bono work, but we can't, you know, keep the lights on ourselves and pay the bills and do all that sort of stuff um, if we keep doing work for free. So, yeah, for us, you know, on, on that level, we're experiencing it on a, on a daily or weekly basis. Hmm. I, I think it's a, a really valid point. And um, so, you know, what do you do about it? Uh, if you, you know, are you, are you registered uh, uh, as a charity? Sometimes you might be able to get some funding via that stream from philanthropic organisations. But, um, yeah, I, I don't have a, a, a real solution. I'm just kind of pointing out the problem. And, mm. uh, you know, it shouldn't be uh, guys like yourself having to deliver too many pro bono things. And, and you know, I have the same thing. Like my little Connect to Grow brand that you kindly mentioned, there's no income there. It's just something that I put up as a, a platform on Facebook to share while I'm trying to uh, uh, promote as a message where, you know, simple stuff. I share stories about great volunteering experiences that I've had or examples of other people who are doing good volunteering work in their community just to shine the light on what they do. 
and uh, you know, a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Shane Kelton, is a great one to highlight. Where um, it's amazing how when we have these conversations, all these cross threads that um, mm. come up. And, um, and I was really chuffed when uh, Nick and I had a good chat that, that we uh, the name Shane came up, and I think I, I'd only spoken to Shane the week before. And we should give him a bit of a plug in that spirit. He's just uh, recently um, uh, uh, published his book, and it's been fantastic to just track him on social media and see how he's going out there and, uh, and pushing the message. And um, I, I think one of the issues he had in the past is that he was doing too much um, pro bono stuff for a, a, a major organisation, and uh, and that's probably costing him personally. So you've really got to have a, a boundary and... Um, I probably, uh, the way I, I get by in this space is uh, uh, I work three days a week for the Geelong Community Foundation and then uh, uh, one day a week I'm on uh, construction sites doing mental health support for tradies, which that's actually where I'll be, after we finish up here this morning, I'll be zipping down the road from uh, uh, the back blocks of Backers Marsh to uh, the beach side of Ocean Grove where there's a big construction site down there that I visit monthly. So um, by, by having income from uh, uh, three, three and a half days a week, that allows me to you know, have a bit of pro bono time, but I'd be going backwards in a hurry if I, if I didn't have that other work. Yeah, it's, that, it's that, um, that real altruism, which is, comes from such a good place, but for a lot of people who get into this field, especially as advocates, they really overdo it you know their book i have mm -hmm. a good mate as well who who goes and books these speaking gigs like day after day after day after day and then at the end of it just needs some sort of you know hibernation to try and recover from all that because yeah. you know this type of work it's not just i'm going and giving some sort of talk on logistics or strategy in a business or something like that we're going into the deep topics of depression anxiety mental health mm -hmm. and then we're oftentimes after that speaking to people one-on-one -on -one who are going through something and opening up and it, it takes a lot of our energy to do all that so can you just fill us in maybe tony on a bit of the connect to grow i'm, I'm quite interested in that obviously using this social connection and the volunteering dynamic to help before, people. before we before we dive into that because it's gonna lose lose the context i was watching a ram das um going home documentary last night where he was after his stroke he was passing away and and he he was crying a lot not in the episode. I read it. I read it outside of it. But he was crying up because he hadn't set himself up for for old age, and he couldn't foresee. Obviously, he's going to have a stroke and need a lot of care. But all the charity work that he did, all the giving, 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 he he forgot about himself or his future yep. self. Yep. And so after he had this stroke, and he was living in a, a home in Maui where he's doing lots of healing for himself and whatever, and he's still teaching. Um, but everyone had to scramble, like, oh, well, 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 we all need to try and chip in and buy this house room or, or get this support worker in or blah, blah, blah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's really important not to neglect. Yeah, you can't help others if you're in the gutter with them is the old sort of adage. So, yeah, yeah. just wanted to. No, good point. I, often when I speak, the title of my uh, presentation is Self First is Not Selfish. So you've got to make sure that uh, you're fitting well in all aspects and uh, all the ducks are lined up in a row then you can give and help others and be a better parent or a better mate and so on. But if you give, 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 uh, uh, the example Nick just gave was a really good example. It made me reflect on an example I heard a while ago of a guy who was in Rotary who uh, he might be a news agent or something like that, and he spent the bulk of his time and focus on Rotary uh, pro bono projects, ended up losing his business and uh, end up retiring to have to live in a caravan. So um, it's pretty important to um, you know, have the boundaries. So you, you, you do a bit of your passion, uh, but you can't neglect the basics of uh, paying the bills and uh, putting it aside a bit for retirement. It's about, it's about finding that balance, isn't it? It's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this, but I can't pour from an empty cup, so I need to keep filling my cup so I can keep giving from it. Yeah, so uh, for me, uh, at the age of 50, uh, I was pretty well set up financially. I'd um, uh, just sold my business, but unfortunately my ex-wife pulled the plug on our uh, marriage. So, uh, again, at the age of 50, I was out of work, um, out of love, and um, there goes 50% of my assets. So uh, it's it's been challenging, but um, I'd have to say, uh, having got through that decade and uh, just only turned 61 last week, uh, I might have half my assets, but I'm twice as happy. And um, mm. 
Now, a lot of that is a full credit to my uh, our wife, Catherine, who we only tied the knot 12 months ago after. Congrats. Uh, thank you. An eight-year relationship. And and uh, as we speak today, I've just got back from a nine days uh, road trip around Sydney, uh, Central Coast, um, Port Stephens, lovely part of the country, and uh, back at work uh, yesterday uh, and today. So in terms of uh, back to your question about connect to grow, I like to keep it really simple. So I'm kind of um, sharing stories that uh, if they're applied or, or people take on the thought behind it, it might lead to a, a bit happier in the workplace, a bit happier uh, with the social connection through a shared experiences. One of the things that um, uh, my interest in and what attracted me to you guys too is um, uh, interest in military history. Not that I've uh, been uh, uh, in the service like you guys, but um there's just an interest that's evolved there. So, you know, I connect with people who've got that kind of interest. So through that, I've been volunteering up in New Guinea um, uh, in some re uh, quite remote places. And um, uh, while I'm up there, I you know, explore what's the local military history and um, a place called Pay up in the northwest coast of New Guinea. Uh, we did some volunteering on a little tropical island off the coast, but that was the, um, uh, the location of an infamous incident from World War II where a guy called Sergeant Leonard Sifflett was beheaded. And uh, it's an infamous photo in uh, the Australian War Memorial that I saw as a kid. But then I realised when I was up there volunteering, wow, this is where this incident happened. So we actually uh, did a bit of research and tried to find out where, exactly where he um, uh, uh, might potentially be buried. Couldn't find him in the end, even though we engaged the Army's Unrecovered Casualties Unit with... Um, cyclones and and um uh, tsunamis that have gone through that area it's a bit hard to work out exactly you know where people thought it might have been but uh it's a great experience to just um uh, uh try and celebrate his memory and through that um we actually had a ceremony in the local town up there and the local villagers renamed the town square after leonard sifflip and we had like an answer day type service and the, the australian flag we used in that service I brought back to Australia and uh, found that um, uh, Leonard had a surviving brother living in a retirement village up in Ballina. So as I would present his surviving brother, a flag from where we had the service over near where he was um, uh, executed. So you know, that kind of stuff, it's just moving. And, and the connection with a, a fellow, you know, in his, oh, I think he's in his 90s, uh, it wouldn't have happened if I kind of didn't pursue my interest in, in military history there. Um, I did some volunteering in the place called Popandetta, which is up near um, uh, Kokoda, New Guinea, uh, with Rotary. And the reason why I picked that uh, uh, location was it's only about 80k to Kokoda. So um, I managed to negotiate um, a, a day off, and we took us about three hours to go to 60k because the tracks aren't too good, and uh, have a wander around some uh, famous sites uh, in the town of Kokoda itself. And because we were there with some locals, we did a lot more than you'd normally get to do when you fly in, fly out, do the Kokoda track experience, which mm. I will avoid like the plague. Uh, I'd have to mm. confess that I've been a bit too lazy to um, uh, you know, do the necessary preparation to do that trip and age might be getting a bit past me too. Well, I've done oh, 10 that's, minutes uh, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that, that sense of belonging, um, we, we've got the five fundamentals in the mindset program and the second one is our basic human needs. And one of those basic human needs that, that – really needs to be met is that sense of belonging, that sense of connection, that sense of community. That's why we have memberships and men's sheds and, you know, family. It takes a village to raise a child, all that sort of stuff. So isolation uh, is massive, and I think we're still feeling the effects of COVID from, from lockdowns and isolation and, um, you know, we won't go into the politics of it, but, but the, the, there is a ripple effect through adults, but also through through kids as well, because those formative years of, of yeah. you know, forming friendships and connection. Uh, mm. So there's a lot of work to do, I think, in that space, um, which which is great with what you're doing. And I, I was interested, maybe as well, in the um, the conversation we had. Uh, and you said, you know, when you first started with Beyond Blue, um, it was a, a great organisation. It was fairly small. And then, you know, it's just it's, it's kept growing and growing and growing. And, and just can you just sort of educate us a bit about, you know, the these, these mental health charities and, and sort of 
where they're at now compared to maybe where they were in the past? Yeah, I, I think, um, unfortunately, it's become a big bureaucracy. Uh, when I first engaged with them about 2006, 2007, they had about 24 staff and they've now got 300. And I just question, um, you know, what we touched on a bit earlier about if you've got bipartisan government support, it's become fairly bureaucratic. And it's hard to work, you know, what's the KPI for success? And um, you probably just look at the basic suicide rate per day uh, yeah. in Australia. Um, when I first started with them at six or seven, it's now nine. Um, so obviously the population's growing. So, um, yeah, I, but I not, just think- but not that much. It's it's not growing. You know, I, I think it's. Um- you look at the. I always, I always talk about mental health and physical health in the, in the sort of same sentences. And if we look at the physical health statistics as well, obesity is increasing. There's, there's so much money, you know, trying to tackle the symptoms of obesity and the symptoms of, of poor mental health. But you know, I think the question needs to be really asked and examined. Does anyone want? The problem to be solved because it's it's a, a, a you can't have a zero obesity or zero suicide that that's mm. um, probably unrealistic but the way that it's all set up it's it's attending to the symptoms and and not the root cause and mm. and so it, it sort of makes me wonder do do, do, do do people want to solve you know the, the issue here or is it just a box ticking exercise and yes we're, we're dealing with it yes we're attending to it and yes mental health is important and you know all there's a lot of there's a lot of waffling there's a lot of talk about it but you know, the, the actioning on the root cause is yeah i don't know it just it seems to me from my perspective to be not really existent yeah i i think Part of the problem is um, there's a lot of government departments trying to um, work in the space, you know, called Department of Health, called Beyond Blue. Uh, and then you have um, the private sector, uh, what they're doing. There's some, you know, some good private facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, another issue I really... And, and then there's the charities as well, though. So there's sort of three different... Sectors yeah. there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I put, I wouldn't put, say, um, you know, like, would you call yourself? You wouldn't call yourself a charity, Nick, would you? Or, or... no, no, I'd be in the private sector, same yeah. as Ryan. So, um, it's very challenging, and, and part of the problem, like I said earlier, is it's too easy for government to say there's a hundred million to say beyond blue, tick. What else have we got to sort out? Whereas that's not really um... well, a hundred million dollars with three hundred with three hundred people. Like that, that's a that's a pretty big asset. Yeah, a hundred mm. million, three hundred people are, are dedicated to. I don't even know what they're dedicated to. Like I, I hear so many interesting concepts like fighting mental health. Like that. That's just. Well, it's important that we all know the metric, isn't it? Like, is it suicide? Is it the amount of people doing sessions? Like, I know from the uh, addiction treatment industry, it was just the people through the door. It doesn't matter if they're the same people coming back in three months' time. It was literally the people through the door as opposed to outcomes. So it'd be great if we could know what, you know, what the actual metric is for success here as opposed to just handing out the money and going, well, I'm sure it'll go to good use. (laughs) And if we can all get on the same page and and, and all come to an agreement that, Fighting mental health is silly. It's just we've got to mm. stop using that that silly language. I heard I heard an expert an expert the other day in inverted commas. Um, as soon as you think you're an expert, you're done. I think. Um, and and he he said, you know, anxiety is a mental illness, and it was such a blanket black and white. And I was like, if 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 this these kind of people are getting airtime and and putting that message out there. That's that's just going to send us backwards because anxiety mm. is not mental illness. Anxiety is a very healthy emotional response to have in certain situations. It becomes problematic if we're in the fight flight for too long, and and mm. can create poor mental health and debilitating mental illness can can occur as I've experienced. But anxiety and depression are not 
a it's not mental health but but mm. they're not they're not mental they're not just mental illnesses and mm. and oh mandela quote you know education is the most powerful weapon we have we have in which to change the world that's that's where i feel it, it, the the missing link is in is in educating and and, and speaking about it in in proper context mm. and it's just it's just not happening yeah, I think there's a big focus on the acute mental health space with you know research and what's that's, like that's the symptom. That's the symptom, though. Yeah, and I, I take it back to try and keep uh, the, the solution simple. And one of the examples I can give you is that um, you know, tackling intergenerational poverty, uh, 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 single parent families. Um, I got involved in a program called L, the number two P, which is taking learner drivers and helping them become probationary drivers in families where they either don't have a car or the parents don't drive. And uh, I did that uh, program locally here in Bacchus Marsh and I got matched up with a kid who's a Tongan background, uh, dad's in New Zealand, mum's here, doesn't drive. So um, I think we, we achieved some great goals. It wasn't just giving him the 100 hours in the car. There was a hundred hours of talk time too, mm. so we evolved into a really good uh, uh, mentoring relationship. And I shared with him the template that I give out uh, whenever I do a session that uh, highlights um, yourself, relationships, finances, um, health, both physical and mental, uh, what you do in the workplace or the school place, and what you do in your leisure time. I, I said, look, any any time you want to talk about any of the issues in these boxes, it's like an agenda. Um, go for it and you know we'd have some great discussions and over it because it, it straddled COVID it took about three years to do it but um where I kind of got win-win stuff happening out uh, I mentioned earlier my interest in uh military history living in Bacchus Marsh I knew up at Seymour there was a Vietnam War Memorial two-hour drive no way no my better half would want to go for a two-hour drive to look at an old tank and helicopter on a pole uh, up in Seymour. But I tell you what, the young bloke was more than happy because two hours there, two hours back, there's four hours off his 120 hours. So <laughs> you kind of get that combining your interest, um, your passion thing happening with um, helping someone else. Uh, so you get that awesome. benefit, the warm, fuzzy feeling uh, back to you, helping him along his way. And uh, I finished about... Oh, 18 months ago, and we still ring every now and then. And yeah. uh, so that, to me, we need more of that. Like I, I spoke to a Rotary Club um, and I mentioned that example, and they said, oh, we give a fuel voucher to that uh, L2P program. I said, have you considered doing some mentoring and actually you know, jump in the car and do some some of the driver training with them too? So um, which oh, to me was a really good fit with Rotary because of that giving back to local projects in the community as well as overseas stuff. So people just think that money money is going to solve all the problem though. It's it's and it's, it's great that that um, you know win win situation. I'm doing some charity work for three days um, leading up to Christmas down on the Ballerine Peninsula. Uh, oh, cool. I'm taking the, I'm, I'm taking this guy out on the golf course for three days. He's got some mental issues and yep. just take him out there and you know i love golf and i'm going to take him out of the links and um try and try and you know, how do some generous of you how generous of you <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm altruistic at, at my core and, you do um, know you've got your work cut out with that one well yeah, well he's an interesting guy um so you know i'm gonna to have to try and build some rapport there with him he's got a lot of defenses up he's yeah he's gonna be an interesting character so right, well, i'll let you know how it goes that's you just raised a bad thought for me, Nick. Uh, last oh, time I played in a, in a golf game, I won the Naga Award. <laughs> Ten years ago, uh, I have not played around since, but I'm, and one of my daughters is getting married next year, and guess what the um, Bucks party is going to be? Oh, golf, golf course. course, great. Get back, get back on the bike. What, what's the Naga Award? Not a golfer's arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> The guy who I'm mentoring for these three days, he's uh, he's probably got a few of those in his trophy cabinet. So, you know, actually, is there any on the shelf behind him there? No, there may be one up there somewhere. Um, <laughs> or books about mindfulness and mental health. Yet, <laughs> I need help with my golf game. <laughs> 
Um, I can only circle yeah. back to something real quick um, that you yeah. said earlier, Tony. It's just been playing on my mind since you said it, but you were talking about, you know, going through a separation at 50 and and whatnot and, and how things are going now with you, with your new wife. And you just said, you know, I had, I've got half the assets, but, I, but I'm twice as happy. And yeah. I think that we should be really looking at happiness and meaning, which is, you know, yeah. you going out and volunteering, doing the driving work with that kid and everything as our assets as well. Like we mm. grow up and ideally we are accumulating our assets and reducing our liabilities. But if you look at our happiness, our peace and our meaning in life as an asset as well, I mean, that's mm. that, that's even a more important category than the other stuff. So how can people struggle to invest in their own? They ch- they they spend so much money on pleasure instead of yeah. learning how to be happy. And there's a massive difference between the two. You know, yeah. the, the people who I alluded to earlier who said they they can't afford it, and they probably genuinely can't. But I, I love to also play around with well, how much you you know how much the, the program costs twenty six hundred bucks for twelve weeks, and that's the gift that keeps on giving for life. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cheap, I think, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, how, how quickly would you spend twenty six hundred on fixing your car or yeah. on putting your kid through uh, a holiday program? Or you know, people will spend twenty six hundred on other stuff like that. But yeah. when it comes to themselves, they don't. They, they don't see where you're coming from, Hass, and what you just were talking about is this is an asset. This is this mm. needs to be running really well before everything else is okay. Yeah, it's a The The concept of investing in oneself, people, I haven't got time. It, you know, the general <laughs> explanation. Well, that, that's just saying I'm not a priority. That's all. When someone says I don't have time, they're saying it's not a priority right now. You're making themselves a low priority. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's a, a habit that needs to be created Um if you look at you know, going to a gym, looking after physical health, you do get the spin-off mental health benefit, but you know, that's a positive habit. Um, I, I can't confess to being a gym junkie, but the best thing for me uh, uh, for my mental health is just going for a walk in the morning, and it changes yeah. the mood from you know wake up, sense of uh, dread some days, uh, try not to think about it, uh, and you've probably seen that video from the American general speaking to a class of recruits talking about the importance of making your mm. bed first thing in the morning. Yeah, it's on my website. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And then then I'm out of there. And, and by the time I get back from walk, coffee, stir up the people in the local cafe, mood is uh, uh, much better for taking on the day. Yeah, well, yeah, you're getting, and, I mean, a little so- bit of exercise, a little bit of uh, social connection, a little bit of sunlight if you're walking outside. So you're ticking a lot of boxes. And me and Nick, many times, as if you can tick some of those boxes to start your day, then you just set the tone for the rest of the day and you're in such a better place than immediately, you know, waking up in bed, Instagram, cortisol, adrenaline, and you kind of set mm-hmm. the tone for being on edge all day. Mm-hmm. So let, let, let's call that sort of level one stuff. That that's that's really important, and and ticking those boxes will set you up for a great day. But then behind that, there's sort of level two, and that's 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 sort of where I sit in the work that I do and has as well. Is that it's that okay? Now tune in to what's going on within you, you know, because you can have social connection, but if you start complaining about the weather or the news or whatever and you go down that destructive path that we talk about, that's going to shift you and take you out of a certain state, create very different chemical experience within mm. you and have a ripple effect through your day. So level one, tick the boxes, but level two, it's, it's being really tuned in to what, you, what's, what you're saying, whether it's yeah. verbally, externally, or whether it's the, the little voice in your head. Uh, everyone's got a voice in their head, haven't they? It's not just me. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, <laughs> oh, shit. Um, and so, so, so listening to that, and then, and then really being there, and, and but awareness isn't enough. We know what to do, and what to listen in for. So when we hear ourselves starting to complain, you know, complaining literally causes brain damage. So when you hear yourself complain, that level two work is like, oh, now I'm in a position to pull myself up and to, to shift out of that. So mm. there's a few a few different levels we can we can work on simultaneously. Mm. Now, I, I think that what you do in that space of psychotherapy is fantastic. You know, I think it's kind of in between that heavy um, uh, acute stuff 
it back, it's almost you hear that phrase of missing middle ground of you know the work that needs to be done in that space and simple stuff. Like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with acute works. people. I mean, we're both we're both dealing with people in acute situations. I've had oh, sorry, someone come you, in and their, their whole. Yeah, their whole world's just falling apart because they're going through a separation or someone in their life is just, you know, in, in deep, deep suffering or, um, yeah, life's happening to a massive degree for these people and they're mm. spinning and, mm. and spiralling. And, you know, we sort of attend to them the same as we attend to everyone. This is how, you know, they're a pilot. The plane's going down. You're... Mm. You've got the hands on the control. This is this is what you need to do to start correcting things and getting things mm. back on track, and mm. not waiting for them to crash and to hit rock bottom, and then to try and clean up that mess, but to, mm. to catch them on the way down and give them what is required, what we all need, but not. I've talked to a lot of clients lately about how we all have a very powerful mind, and. Mm. Mine's so powerful it prevented me from opening the door. You know, it kept me safe. Wonderful. Um, and I'm, I'm so passionate about doing this work because an untrained and an undisciplined mind left to its own device is, is going to cause, naturally, it's going to cause a lot of unpleasant experiences for the self and for others. Yeah. <laughs> so learning how powerful our mind is, training it, disciplining it with a few little things each day or whatever. Um, it, it's just if more people can get hold of their own mental health and, and start attending to it, those numbers that we were talking about earlier, the, the nine a day, that's naturally going to drop. But mm. I just don't I don't see enough people doing the work, as, as we call it. What are your thoughts yeah. on that, Huss? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's also, there's many factors, right? We all have an individual responsibility to ourselves and our physical and our mental health. And then there's also the societal factors. And before when you were comparing physical and mental health, it made me think like, you're right, like obesity is is rife. It's one of the biggest killers we have. I think for the first time in human history, more people around the world are dying from overeating as opposed to, as opposed to starvation. And mm. it's because it's like the the easiest to get and the cheapest and the most convenient foods to eat is processed garbage. And so many people are just living just so they're, their head's above water and so they're feeding themselves and their children on that stuff and so physical health which also impacts our mental health gets affected then from a mental mm -hmm. health point of view what's the easiest thing to do is to jump on social media and compare our lives to other people or their highlight reel of their lives which is a very convenient and easy thing to do to get a dopamine hit yet it's leading to more and more poor mental health so i just see physical and mental mm -hmm. health moving together in a very negative direction and um yes individual uh, responsibility needs to be taken, but also, you know, from, from government and all of these large bodies, I think, you know, some real changes needs to be made. Uh, and yeah, poverty, so, sorry to jump in, but, but Tony, you also mentioned, you know, poverty and these, you know, poverty-stricken um, cultural groups and certain areas, uh, homelessness, all of that plays into it. You know, Dr. Carl Hart, who's one of my uh, guys who I've read a lot of his books on addiction, and he got into the space because he grew up, I think it was Detroit, and, you um, he thought the crack cocaine was the, the big problem with Detroit and the neighborhoods that he grew up in. So he became a neuroscientist and a researcher in that because um, he wanted to eradicate, you know, the drugs and that problem. And as he got into it more and more, he realized drugs weren't the problem at all. The poverty and and the groups that were barely scraping by and the, that, mm. the problems were around long before crack cocaine hit that town. And so there's so many largest mm. macro problems to look at. But also fathers not being present in the young boys' lives is a massive yep. problem. And, you know, Johan Hari's work, it's its not the drugs, it's, uh, it's not the addiction, it's that mm. sense of belonging that we keep coming back to. So disconnection is massive. But once and again, those those basic human needs, they're your needs. They're, they're yours. To, if, if you're feeling lonely, it's for you to pick up the phone and ring a friend and organize to catch up with someone or to mm. go to a men's group or a community event or mm. start volunteering. You know, mm. you, we, we need this self-agency, I think, mm. is really Oh, it's what, when, Tony, you were talking about the driving thing and everything and the mentoring, it just had me envision that that father figure. And it's something that is very much needed because I can't tell you the amount of people that have come through our doors 
mm. who are struggling because they didn't have that father figure or we will see a mother there who like, I can't, my son, I can't, he's playing up, he's all over the place because there's no father figure there. For men, we're talking about men's mental health here specifically, mm. it is so incredibly important to have some sort of father figure. And that the program I gave the example of, um, I noticed too often the car that should be out in the road doing lessons is just sitting in a car park. So it's been underutilised. So, yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. where I try and highlight simple things. Uh, the investment's already there in the car and it's available, but it's been underutilised. So, um, yeah, hopefully someone who's listening today might uh, take inspiration and go and check out their local L2P program. <laughs> All the resources in the world are useless without people using them. So it's, it's a great point you raise there. And the definition of health is a state of complete mental, physical, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. Mm. So it's, 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 it's not just not being sick. It's about thriving and, and turning up and looking after, attending to your mental health, attending to your mm. physical health, attending to your basic human needs and getting that, that social connection. You know, I'm on 40 acres. I, I, I don't have any friends up here um but um going to the local men's group occasionally i've, I've stopped going because it, it was too much for work and then going to hang yep. out with with the men's mental health group yep. um but again go, go and play golf or you know I, I try and do something i ring mates back home i facetime people um mm. you know because I, I can start to feel when I'm, I'm spending too much time by myself, uh, but I, yeah, need I, had to be pro- I need to be proactive. Yeah, because where I live in Bacchus Marsh, uh, I moved out here because it's where my uh, wife lives, but I'm predominantly a Geelong boy, 60K down the road, and a lot of mates from uni days in Melbourne. And I just had that sense of you know isolation creeping in, so rang a few mates, and one of the best things that I did uh, to help her hit that in the head was... Um, uh, well, two things, actually. I had a reunion with my high school mates, uh, some guys I hadn't seen since 1978, and uh, 16 of us got together for uh, a, a pub dinner uh, in Geelong. Normally, there's only four or five of us get together and do lunch, but we thought, oh, you know, we'll try and get some more boys in. We thought evenings might work better, so evenings did work better, and I kind of avoided the evening thing because then I'll go 60K drive, eight o'clock at night, dodging kangaroos in the back of Smash Road. But it's so worth it, you know, just that yeah. um, revisiting our past. The, the high school years weren't bad years and and a lot of belly laughs, uh, uh, just some guys you hadn't seen for a while. Second thing, um, uh, I had a function. When you're down on the Ballerine Peninsula, Nick, check out a place called Cottage by the Sea. Uh, it's a yeah. wonderful organisation that gives... Um, experiences to kids from disadvantaged areas sometimes for the first time in their life they see the ocean when they stay at this place um down there that organization had a, a function on the thursday night i knew every friday morning a bunch of my mates from my old lara township have a coffee in geelong again i'm not going to drive from back as marsh to geelong 60k for a coffee but i had a function that's um at queenscliff that thursday night uh coffee friday morning and my daughter lives at leopold halfway between so guess where i crashed for the night so you know bang 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 it was a good social function quality time my daughter and then uh morning uh catch up with um old guys who i grew up with so you can kind of and that, what you're talking about there man it's that level two work it's that we we can so easily run this narrative. Oh, it's too hard. There's all these limits, all the all this resistance that we put in place. Oh, I can't mentality, and that's a destructive pathway. But that level two stuff I was talking about before, you really got involved, and you went, "This is what I can do, and this is why it will work, and this is what I, mm. you know, the effort I can put into it." And mm. that's that self agency. No, no one can do that for you except for you. Mm. We've been, uh, I've had some clients recently talking about this social connection. You know, Nikki, there's always like a theme, you know, the theme of the month or whatever. And it's around this exact topic. And uh, it's, it's quite funny when you dig into it because they'll say, look, I just feel like I'm not having enough, you know, social connection. I'm only around, you know, my immediate family and, and that kind of thing. And I see these, you know, families going away together, camping and that kind of thing. And I wish that was me. And I'm like, oh, well, why isn't that you? Like, why do you think? (laughs) 
And they go, well, I've never asked anyone. And when anyone's asked me, I've said no. Because <laughs> I like to keep people at an arm's length. And I'm like, so you might be the problem here. It's like, yeah, it is. We're so because, irrational, yeah, well, it's because we're, you know, there's there's a protection mechanism where we just kind of want to keep yeah, people yeah. at arm's length. And so, we're, so then, yeah, and so then we're robbing ourselves of these beautiful connections. But once mm. they're aware of that, you know, they can start to. And so this one client actually actively then reached out to a family and they're going to go away camping over New Year's. So, um, awesome. I've got like, a yeah, question. It's, it's the, no, okay. no one can do the work but you. So, yeah. Yes, Hans, what's the question? Well, I don't, I don't want to, you know, run up on Tommy without asking some big questions here. So, Tony, you know, right. from someone who you've been educating us already here about, you know, Beyond Blue, you're also part of Are You OK? I can see you got the signs and stickers up in the background. From your perspective, your your subjective perspective, what do you think needs to change on this, on this you know, government funding um, foundation level? Like if we were to fast forward five years and things were starting to move in the, in the right direction when it comes to mm. mental health, if what Tony that was the like authority, what, what would... What We're making happen? you the authority, Tony. What needs to change? Well, I would suggest that um, Are You OK, um, that organisation, is a very efficient way of uh, getting a message out there. I understand they've only got about 16 staff, uh, but they've got the profile probably similar to Beyond Blue. And uh, so I think that's kind of... You know, looking at their model and um, uh, so, what's the ripple effect of something like Are You Okay as an organisation? You know, talking about at the coal face is is Are You Okay as an organisation? Do you think they're impacting on those <coughs> numbers that we were talking about earlier? Um, I think both Beyond Blue and Are You Okay are helping with um, increasing awareness and uh, and what kind of goes awareness ahead? of what. Awareness of what? Awareness of being able to talk about the issue, and okay. um, and overcoming stigma is a big thing. Uh, I like the way AOK has evolved from a one day event to multiple uh, uh, things throughout the year. Like there's a in the the transport sector, there's an a rail AOK day, and a lot of the recent messaging has been along the lines of make every day an AOK day. Uh, I kind of put a bit of a spin on uh, Are You OK? And some of the examples I gave earlier, I say, well, don't forget to do a bit of R-A-K, um, random act of kindness, hand-in-hand uh, uh, hand with Are You OK? So, um, uh, but then you, you've got the on-the-ground stuff. Um, so there's different levels here. There's, there's the awareness level, then there's the triage level, and then there's the education level. So yeah. all of yeah. those different sort of sectors need to be sort of working hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, and, and there's got to be like uh, Beyond Blue is essentially Melbourne-based and has that ripple effect of what it can do out of Melbourne. Are you okay as Sydney-based? They so get a bit of a ripple uh, out of Sydney. But... Um, it's got to be local, easily accessible things too. And that's where, you know, at the far end, you know, what I do uh, and uh, what you guys are doing, that's the local service. But it's probably not as well funded as, as some of these other organisations. And, um, uh, yeah, so it's challenging. It can be really overwhelmed with what to do. Um, but if I had the magic wand, uh, I would be... Uh, reducing the budget of the big organisations and making sure that the same amount, not extra money, is uh, spread across um, uh, local regional areas. It's kind of done in a way through uh, what are they called? PHNs. Um, yeah, private health networks. Yeah, but again, they're a bit bureaucratic and um, uh, I think they seem to fund other bureaucratic organisations. I'm not sure if they do too many organisations like ours. I, I scratch the surface with them, but you look at all the paperwork, the forms, it's too hard. Mm. You know, I just want to keep it simple and do what I do. And um, and that's, I suppose, what um, you know, sparked my interest when uh, uh, you guys mentioned that Holt. I'm not sure what he did to get his funding. Um, uh, he, 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 was, um, he, he was rubbing shoulders with the then Minister of Health, um, oh, yeah. and, so, and, and just yep, right time, right place, yeah. and um, 
Yeah, but I, I've, I've heard that it was sort of a, a golden handcuff as well because you know you get two and a half million funding, you've got a you've got a report where every dollar of that's going and that's, absolutely you've got to quit it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and, it's, it's great in theory. You have got two and a half million, but but there's a lot that comes with that too. Yeah, but so somewhere in between, you know, maybe there's other organisations, or, or you now he's a you know a small organisation could. Should he be collaborating so there's not so many on the ground people like him? Well, we, we had a dinner. We had a – there was – who was there? There was me, boys from Trademark, Jeremy from Holt was there, um, uh, Adam Velasco, I think he was there. Um, and so there was a few of us, a few different organisations there having this dinner. And you left there and it was all noise, 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 and mm. then absolute – you know, radio silence after. That's the, yeah. that's not um, uh, I'm not throwing shade at anyone there. It's just, you know, we're all running our own businesses or charities yeah. or whatever. Um, but but you, you look at the effect of, of them and, you know, two and a half million to go and, and speak at, at breakfasts on, on, on trade sites and whatnot. And having been there, you just like – Everyone's doing the best they can, so you can't sit there and pot anyone and say you're not mm. doing a good job or whatever because because that, that that's not fair and and right. But, uh, everyone's doing the best. All they the, can. Ran- the randomness of how he managed to get his funding, and you know, there might be another hold out there that could do just the same uh, stuff who uh, has not got access to that kind of funding. So mm. Mm. yeah, and it, it probably breaks down because the government. Is to, is um, got the pot of gold, and they're dispersing it. And what you have to go through to you know, get into that pot is difficult. And um, you know the other big picture thing is um, you know Victoria. It's you know, obviously safe labour everywhere, and uh, I've seen in Geelong where there's some very safe labour seats in low socioeconomic areas. All the on the ground services or a lot of underground services, they're just losing their state funding because of the, the mess in uh, central Melbourne with all the major projects running over budget and, and uh, you know, the money that's being blown uh, to not go to the, not to have the Olympics and all that. So it's hard to be optimistic about, you know, who's going to pay for stuff. So I think, you know, my message would be, uh, I'm not saying I'm the be on and end all, but, I'm mucking around on the side. I'm not costing um, uh, uh, public dollars, but I think I'm making a difference. So maybe if you can just make a difference in your own patch and start off with one person, then two persons, you know, that's part of the solution. Uh, if we Many hands this. make like work. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's really important what you said as well. It's like we might start a private thing because we say, hey, there's a real missing piece of the – mental health care puzzle here. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make something that fulfills that need. Um, but then if I am then to go for funding with that, because people like who came into to MindFit and said, I can't afford it. Well, now I'm going to try and be eligible for funding. Mm. I have to completely manipulate and morph my original idea into something mm. different in order to tick all those boxes to gain funding. So now this thing that sort of came from the heart and what I believe is fulfilling a purpose and it is now has to become something different if I want to be able to get this funding. So it's a real Mm -hmm. systemic issue, you know, and I think it's also getting the right information at the right time to people. I did a talk Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago for some, you know, big company in, in um, the UK and, you know, the guy reached out and he goes, yeah, we've got a, you know, what a wellness week or wellness month or whatever. Can you talk on addiction and mental health and, you know, we'll pay you a bunch of money. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. But it's like, oh, and because they have these quotas that we have to spend this much on, on you know, yeah. this wellness week. Yeah. And I was sitting there doing it and I'm trying to get people revved up, but it's like they're sitting at work on a fucking Monday morning or something, <laughs> you know, and maybe maybe one or two people that really resonated with and a few people reached out to me private and said it was great. But I'm sitting there whilst I was doing it going, this, you know, this isn't probably the right time and place. This is the wrong information for these people well, at this the, point. The motivation behind it was wrong from the start. It was mm. just a box ticking exercise. Mm. We have to That's what all money. these large companies, it's this exact same thing. Mm. We, we, we've started doing um, corporate training workshops and going into organisations to reintegrate people after COVID and to improve the psychological safety of the workplace and everything. Um, mm. And 
you know, one of the things we say in our initial meeting is if this is just a box ticking exercise for you, we're not interested because it's, it's going to, and that's a tough one because even if, even if it changes one person, then it's, then it's, it's, it's enough, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but, but we also want to make sure that it's not, you actually know what it is that you're doing and, and your intentions for doing it, are, mm. you know, to, to help people. So mm. it's, a, it's a tough one. Yeah, I'd be a bit wary there about uh, I, I, when you're describing that scenario, I was thinking, yeah, be wary of cutting off your nose despite your face. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Might potentially knock a gig back, knock a bit of income back because it doesn't quite fit. Um, your principles and morals and so on, but eh, but know, but you're trying to change a, you're trying to change a culture as well. So you've got to mm. you've got to have a stance. You've got to you mm. know the the standard you walk past is the standard that you accept. So mm. it's in let's get people you know genuinely interested in in mm. improving the, the the mental health culture of their workplace mm. versus. Just, oh, yeah, let's just tick a box and go on for the next thing. Mm. Well, uh, 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 thinking about uh, uh, probably a, a good phrase to wrap things up a bit is um, I like to drop in where I can this phrase. The best exercise you can do is to help someone else's down to get up again. So uh, that kind of fits, I think, what, you know, what Nick was trying to achieve in the organisation of uh, fixing a culture, helping the culture. And... Um, uh, yeah, it's just something I, I try and live by too. Yeah, and it's it's it comes back to a lot of your ethos of that win-win, Tony. Where it's like mm. you know we we're obviously helping someone who's down by helping them get up. First of all, we make sure we're okay, but then also mm. you know we're deriving benefit from that. You know, it, it it really does feel great to help someone up. It's kind of a little bit selfish at the end of the day, and that's okay because it is a win-win. It's oh, it's, the, the, it's, the, it's ongoing maintenance uh, uh, for me to do that, and, and you, you, but the initial thing is, oh, you know, you shouldn't do that just because you don't get a benefit. I said, well, maybe you know it's a win-win. So where's the problem? But as part of that, the, you know, the perception, the change. The quickest way to feel better is to go and do something for someone else. It's just yeah. a, it, it's a no-brainer. So. Go you and know, knock an elderly person's door and say, you know, "Can I do anything for you? Can I mow your lawns? Can I can I take the dog for a walk? Can I can I do something?" And, and it's not there's no terms and conditions on it. There's no and then I want this in return. It's I'm, I'm giving mm. freely. And when you give freely, what you start noticing is that you receive freely as well. You start, yep. you know, you said it's, it's selfish house, and and it sort of is because we're getting something out of it. But that's not the driving force behind it. What you just described then, Nick, is one of the things that Are You OK did really well during the pandemic. They produced a, a template, an A4 with four little, uh, you cut into four um, uh, little messages where you just put it in the uh, uh, leather box or under the front door of a neighbour and, and, and it could be the elderly person say, look, can I help you go to the shops? If you can't get to the shops, can I walk your dog? Uh, anything else I can do for you because you know people are stuck at home, particularly the elderly, were isolated. So again, that's yeah. simple on the ground solution stuff. There was there was a story getting around where um, uh, a lady was living with her daughter and they had an elderly neighbour and she kept going over once a week to ask, oh, can I borrow some salt? And the daughter said, no, we've got heaps of salt. What are you, it's just stockpiling salt. We don't even use that much salt. Why are you going over there? She said, it's not about the salt. It's about, you know, this, this woman is of value to the community and it's a, it's a, it's a social interaction. It's engagement. Mm. I just, I just loved the, the, the philosophy behind it. I thought it was mm. really beautiful and, and it's so simple. It doesn't cost you anything except five minutes of your time. So I, um, I, I feel, I feel changed. I feel, um, <laughs> you look changed. Feel, look at you. No, I, I, there's been a shift. There's been a shift. I, 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 I wanted to have a conversation on the mental health charities and, and landscape and everything because I felt stuck and I feel liberated. I feel free. There is a there is a, a place for everything. And I 
confess I was caught up in, and because it's so important to me, the the, the creating change and and reducing the numbers and everything. But the RUOKs and the Beyond Blues and the the Holtz and the Trade Mutts and the Center for Healing and the Tony McManus and all of this stuff, it all it all it's all part of the ecosystem and it all has a place and. If you change one person's life or one person's day, then then that's enough. So um, power be to all of it. I feel like I'm watching a butterfly emerge from its cocoon right now. This I'm in awe. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful that's, to see. I, I feel, I feel, as I said, I feel liberated. I feel it's just wonderful, and I'm 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 experiencing a deep sense of gratitude for all of those people um, working in in the field and doing the best that they can and some days we we knock it out of the park and and get it right other days we sort of miss the mark and don't do what can be done but all of that's okay so thanks for coming on time cheers yeah i'm grateful for you tony thanks for coming on mate we know you got to head off to the construction site and uh and speak to those guys and girls there but we just want to say thanks so much for coming on for sharing openly and honestly and just thanks so much for reaching out to nick um after that podcast that we did it's just just great to connect with with you mate oh no i've enjoyed the chat lads and uh keep up the good work at your end um because you know i think the kind of podcast that you guys put out it's such an important way of getting messages out there and you know my own experience of stumbling across you um, when I was doing that one-hour drive from home to work uh, is gold. So, um, how did you get onto it? How did you stumble across it? By the way, um, I don't recall looking for it. I think it's more just in my podcast feed. It might come up as a recommendation, and um, uh, you know, I, I must confess to not being very woke. Um, so, uh, neither the title- are we. <laughs> the title got me in a bit and um uh yeah it just happened so um i i'd say otherwise don't i think you are working i think we are working it's not in the mixed up americanized way now it's it's all, all work means is uh, awakened to this way of living and um you know people people that are in that consciousness um, and, and you, you, you are definitely in that space, mate. You are, you can see um, things as they are and, and what can be done. You're giving. Um, it's, a, it's more of a spiritual path. And so I, I think you're woke as fuck, mate. <laughs> oh. W-A-F. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like, I was thinking, you know, I haven't got pronouns and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I was kind of putting that into it, but it may be my <laughs> no. I chatted no, with Nick. Like, I chatted with Nick about six that. months ago. I'm like, should we change the name? Because I don't want to get us mixed up with this American work culture bullshit. But we're staying with it, and it's got Tony on, so we're glad we have stayed with it. Yeah. All yeah. good, boys. All Tony, oh, before we say goodbye, Tony, where can is there anywhere you want to point people to? Anywhere to get in touch with your work? Um, look, if you Google my name, uh, Tony McManus Mental Health, that will find me. If you don't put mental health at the end, you'll end up with an Irish folk singer. So uh, he won't. Either way, you're going to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, maybe try and find Connect to Grow on Facebook. Um, and um, yeah, I'm happy to throw my mobile out there. 0417 334 will get me. Oh, and, good number. Um, yeah. Ripper. It's like nice digits. Still got that nice. Oh, I've got. Uh, if, if you're listening, no matter where you are, if, you, if you're listening to this and you, you're feeling a bit disconnected or whatever, you know, hopefully Tony's inspired you to either reach out to him and say, "Mate, what can I do?" Um, and just have that chat to start the ball rolling, or just just go, go out in your community and, and find a, a way to to make it better, just by by you know being you and, and putting yourself out there. Yeah, well, just on that point, uh, on my Facebook page, Connect to Grow, the Contact Us button doesn't come to me. It actually goes to the search engine for the biggest database in Australia of volunteering opportunities. So um, that can help you maybe find something in your local area that might be of appeal to you, like the LTP right. Well, right. I, um, I can't wait till you know, our first episode of the new year. I can talk to the clients, uh, to the clients, the listeners about you know my volunteer work and uh, over the Ballerine Peninsula and those those three days and 
you know, that's going to feel amazing for me, but hopefully it feels it feels great for this person I'm working with as well. So um, maybe, we've, maybe they should document the process. What do you reckon? Maybe they should. Maybe they should. Okay. Maybe it's a tax write-off now. Maybe it's. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, think, like it. I think we need to talk more offline because um, yeah, I've just got some other odd thoughts that have come up that I might email you about. So um, yeah, no worries, all right, again, boys. All right, Tony. All the best, mate. to the show also leave us a five-star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time